Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's Sermon Podcast. As we approach God's Word, let's take a prayerful breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Listen to God's Word this day. Before we hear the scriptures read in three languages, let us pray together the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. God of abundant life, your grace is our daily bread. Nourish us by your word and fill us with your spirit so that we may grow in faith and love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. الإصحاح 43 من 16 ل 21 هكذا يقول الرب الجاعل في البحر طريقا وفي المياه القوية مسلكا المخرج المركبة والفرس والجيش والعز يضجعون معا لا يقومون قد خمدوا كفتيلة انطفأوا لا تذكروا الأوليويات والقديمات لا تتأملوا بها ها أنا صانع أمر جديدا الآن ينبت ألا تعرفونه؟ أجعل في البرية طريقا في القفر أنهارا يمجدني حيوان الصحرائي الزئاب وبنات النعام لأن جعلت في البرية ماء أنهارا في القفر لأسقي شعبي مختارية هذا الشعب جبلته لنفسي يحدث بتسبيحي Now in English. Arzia, uh, for, uh, chapter 43, 16 to 21. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty water, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcement together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguish it, snuff out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new, a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and the streams in the uh, in the west land the wild animal animals are uh, honor me the juggles and the owls because i provide water in the wilderness and the streams in the west wasteland to give to drink to my people my chosen the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Amen. I'm going to read Luke chapter 5, verse 36 to 39. I'm going to read in Chin Burmese first and then English. Chuin hua zisu in anhena hitin tutim nagasim zaumanin nipuan lun bel nagdinga nipuan tar atlek da kelo atlek asiatun nipuan tarzu atlek 
laklo dingi ani pon luni abel tika akai ofon loading chule zaumanin sabit ti tharchu sabun thol hun sunga anthun lo jiang atile sabit thar in thol hun chu apa kuai dingi sabit ti chu abung lak dingi thol khal asiat the ding chunak chun sabit ti thar kha sabun thol thar sunga thun son ding asi chun sabit ti hun an in nuwa zaumanin sabit ti thar an in Dulo, Alun Atason, Dia Anti, Luke chapter 5, verse 36, 39 in English. Jesus also told them a parable. No one tear a piece from a new garment and sew it on an old garment. Otherwise, the new will be torn, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one put the new wine into old wine skin. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skin and will be spilled and the skin will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wine skin, and no one after drinking old wine desire new wine, but say the old is good. Thank you. This is the Lord of the Word. But now let us pause and pray. Oh Lord, it is your, your word that we've come to hear. Your word that we need to hear. Your word which nourishes our souls. Your word which sends us out to shine your light. And so we pray, O oh Lord, that your word, by your spirit, your word may be heard through these human words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He is a college freshman far from home. In high school, he was president of his class. He had a great group of friends. Now he's at a big school and doesn't know anyone. It's a southern school, so fraternity rush has already begun. He's a sociable guy, and so he goes to the parties and events but he doesn't feel at home there, and sometimes being at the parties only makes him lonelier. He thinks back on high school. Those were good days. He thought he had been ready to go off to school, to college, but now he's not so sure. The way forward is so uncertain, and that makes him feel anxious. She is a married woman for one day more before the divorce becomes final. Last night as she was sorting through her possessions, deciding what to keep and what to throw away, she came across a photo album from her first years of marriage. They had been so happy then, but that was a long time ago. The decision to move ahead on the divorce was not lightly made. They'd gone through various rounds of counseling the decision was made. Her three daughters are showing various signs of anger and sadness and anxiety, sometimes all at the same time. She feels empty. The future is so uncertain. Will the pain of the failure of her marriage go away? Will she ever be happy again? He sits on the edge of a hospital bed all dressed and ready to go home. 
As he waits on his wife and the wheelchair that will carry him to the car, he looks back over the past weeks. A heart attack, bypass surgery. He had always been so active. To be sure, his weight was a bit high and he'd been growing increasingly short of breath when he was playing golf or doing yard work. But now he feels so weak. There's a long recovery ahead, diet changes that the doctor, his wife, and his children urge him to make. He can't help but wonder if his best years are behind him. I wonder if you have ever found yourself longing for what is past or anxious about what lies ahead. I wonder if you've ever had at least passing thoughts at the downward trend of your life will keep going down. I wonder if you've ever felt like your best days were behind you. Then you know something about what the people who are being addressed in Isaiah 43 are feeling. The prophet is speaking to refugees, a people in exile, living in a foreign land ever since the Babylonians defeated their country and forcibly kicked them out, removing them from their homeland. As one biblical scholar writes, their past is a trail of broken dreams and disappointments, shame and horror. Their present is filled with a constant ache for home. Consumed by the past and present, there was little mental or emotional energy to think about the future. It was just enough to get up in the morning and put one foot in front of the other. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. To that people back then, the prophet brings a word of hope. Defeat and exile are not the end of God's story with them. There is a chance for the downward arrow of their life to turn upward. But face it, hope is hard to hear when you've been down so long. So the prophet calls on the people to remember, to remember what God has done in the past, the liberation of their enslaved ancestors from the Egyptian pharaoh's yoke hundreds of years before. But after alluding to that past, the prophet's message takes a sudden turn in verse 18, one that seems to contradict all that's gone before it. It's one of the most paradoxical verses in the Bible when you read it in its setting in those verses that went before. Do not remember the former things, the prophet says, or consider the things of old. Remember what God did for your ancestors, but then do not remember the former things. You can easily imagine the prophet's audience saying, remember, don't remember, can't you make up your mind? Indeed, what's going on in these verses? And what wisdom do they have for us living today all these years later? Let us look at these contradictory instructions more closely. And we'll take a moment before we look. First, the prophet tells us, do remember the past. Do remember how God has helped you in your past. I remember that when I decided, or we decided, Carrie and I, that God was calling me to leave my job and to go back to school, to seminary, and become a minister, 
there were lots of hurdles that stood in the way of making that mood. I had to get a scholarship. Carrie, who had been working part-time while we had children, now had to find a full-time call to a church near the seminary that would give me a scholarship. We had to sell our home. We had to find a home that we could afford on a lesser income. I remember in the months before I began seminary worrying if we would find somebody reliable and safe and affordable to watch our daughters while Carrie was at work and I was in school. After two sleepless nights when I prayed yet again about them, where the transition's impact on them and where we could find good childcare, I couldn't help but hear in response in the middle of the night, Carter! I've taken care of the scholarship. I've taken care of the full call for Carrie to ministry. I've taken care of selling the house. I've taken care of helping you find a house you can afford. Don't you think I can handle the child care? And God did. When facing an uncertain future, it helps to remember how God has helped us in the past. When we find ourselves in the dark, it helps to remember how God has showed us a way forward in earlier days. Throughout the scriptures, we're told to remember what God has done because God is faithful and reliable. The God who delivered us in the past will not disappoint us in the future. There's something else subtle in the prophet's instruction about remembering the past, something very much illustrated in that children's sermon, although we had not talked before this. The prophet is speaking to a people, not just to individuals. In other words, when we look back on those times when God has helped us find a way when there seemed no way, other people were inevitably involved every time. When I've heard folks here talk about difficult times in the past, you've spoken about the people who helped you get through it the people who showed up when a loved one died, the people who reached out to you when you lost your job, the youth advisor or faith formation teacher or pastor who helped your children know that they mattered and that they were loved. In our individualistic Western culture, the importance of community is often overlooked, but not in the Christian faith. We need more than ourselves. We need even more than family. We need other people who are striving to live out love in the way of Jesus Christ. We need a community of faith. And that's one of the ways that God helps us through difficult times. Something we may not fully appreciate until we look back on that past. Remember the past, the prophet tells us. But here's the second part of the prophet's message, the reason for that puzzling verse. Remember the past, but do not live in the past. It's good to remember the past. It's good to share stories with families and friends, to recall good times, to remember what God has done, to count our blessings. But when we retreat to the past too often, when we see only what used to be and is no longer, then we cannot help but feel that the best is behind us. Even worse, we can act 
and think as if God's best is behind us. At the time of Isaiah 43, the Persian king Cyrus had defeated the Babylonians and more importantly for the Israelites, had issued a decree permitting the exiles to return to their home country. At this point, the greatest threat against the Israelites' freedom was not an external ruler. Instead, as one commentator on this text points out, the greatest threat to their freedom was the prison of their own lethargy. One bar in that prison was that wistful sword of memory of the past that dulls one alertness to the present. The exiles needed to be shocked out of their depression and lethargy. They needed to get up and moving to stop looking back on the disappointments of their past and to start looking forward to see what God is up to. This is a reason for the prophet's reversal when it comes to looking back. God is doing a new thing. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old, God says to the prophet. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What Isaiah is telling us is that God can be trusted to be at work in our present and in our future, just as God was at work in our past. But that doesn't mean that God will simply duplicate the past. Our God is too creative to be confined to taking us back to the past, to doing the same old thing over and over again. New times require new things, new ways, but it is the same God. To return to those situations sketched out in the beginning, God will not be taking that floundering college freshman back to high school, but that does not mean that the freshman cannot be blessed by new relationships, new friendships, and a new community in his new setting. To be sure, it may not come all at once, but God can be trusted to provide a way in the wilderness, a way when there seems to be no way. The woman on the brink of divorce may not be able to return to the beginning of her happy marriage before the cracks and fault lines appeared, but that does not mean that she will not experience love and joy again. Even if she does not marry again, God is creative and capable enough to provide to what she needs to experience meaning and happiness and fulfillment. To be sure, it may not come all at once, but God can be trusted to provide rivers in the desert, water to nourish her soul in the dry seasons of life. That man coming home from the hospital may not be able to return to life before the heart attack, but that does not mean that his life going forward is always going to be second rate. He can still get better than he is when he leaves the hospital. And more importantly, he can still find the blessing of more years to live a life of purpose and love. To be sure, those changes may not come all at once, but God can be trusted to do a new thing, even in an aging body. 
Isaiah has a word to speak to us in the dry seasons of our individual lives, especially when we've experienced losses and setbacks and disappointments, especially when we find ourselves in a scary and trackless wilderness. God does not promise to take away the wilderness, but God promises a way through that wilderness. God does not promise to take away the dry seasons, to be no deserts in our lives, but God promises us there will be streams in that desert. Isaiah also has a word for this congregation and all communities of faith, especially those who find themselves in a wilderness or a dry season. Remember the past, but don't live in it. Isaiah 43 is telling us, because God does new things. Jesus tells the Pharisees and the other onlookers in Luke 5, be prepared for God to do a new thing. Otherwise, God's new wine may burst your old wineskins. For this congregation, there may not be a return to a time when there's a staff of over 30 people, when people talk about youth choir trips with more than 50 people, or worship services where they're setting up chairs in the narthex. But that doesn't mean that God is not present and at work here and now. God does not promise to duplicate the past. God is too creative and generative to be confined to duplicating the past. The question is the one Isaiah poses. Will we perceive the new thing that God is doing? When we live in the past, <clears throat> especially when we think and talk about what we perceive to be the golden age of a congregation, our focus on the past can act like a blindfold keeping us from seeing the new thing that God is doing here and now. When you read the Old Testament, you cannot help but notice it is not Israel's golden age. That is the time of David and Solomon when their power and their wealth and their influence in the world was at its height. That's not what they're called to remember. No, they're called to remember their, the exodus and later this exile, the time when the people were at their weakest and experienced God's strength because then they knew it was not themselves or their resources or their capabilities or their wealth or their numbers that delivered them. It was God and God only. Perhaps this congregation and other congregations needs to remember more the times of struggle when the people were weakest and God's power was most needed. The time, for example, in the first century of this congregation, when your ancestors, so to speak, actually had to abandon the building where they were worshiping because they couldn't pay the bills. Or the time when the congregation decided, despite much dissent, to make the move from center city out to this plot of land. Rumor has it that before my time, there was some little amount of dissent and concern expressed when you took out six pews on each side of the sanctuary. Can you imagine the uproar and difficulty of leaving behind a whole sanctuary and all those buildings and all those sacred places to come out 
to an open space of land. I am about to do a new thing. Whatever God is up to, what the Bible tells us is that it is always bigger and better and wider and stronger and more expansive and inspiring and liberating than we first imagined. That is a given because God is God. What about us? Are we ready to perceive it? Are we ready to start looking for what God is up to? Not back then, but here and now. Are we? Amen. Thank you for listening to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll join us for worship on Sunday morning. For more information about our congregation and our ministries, please contact the church office. Now go in peace.